0: Yo, fired, Shots fire for sake, fire. for toxic. You shots, FIRED shots fire, shots, shots for fox sake, fire, for toxic, you shots, fired, shots, shots I made it.
1: You made it. Booyah. Booyah. <laughs> oh, you're, you're actually at a job. You're actually suited and booted. You are in the midst of your daily grind. And yet Chisanga Malata sat on his ass in an airport <laughs> on a delayed flight schedule. Cannot make this broadcast. All oh, who is in favour of uh, jettison. Hi was Milano from um got say aye. 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 fired. <laughs> He's out. You he gotta go. Fuck
0: aye. Fired. Is he drunk? He's been partying with the with the missus for a while. and A man got married eight times. That's you right. know?
1: That's right. Eight How many times, times is this guy so gonna get cold. married? Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Oh my like god. <laughs> Good for him.
0: I'm happy for him. No, I'm happy to I'm just fucking with him. Y'all know I fuck with y'all. Look at that beard. You look nice, Kairos. Doesn't he look like Sean
1: Price? Mm-hmm. Don't
0: it sure does, Mike.
1: U- Kairos, get nine. you a get
0: you a shape up and get out there and get mm-hmm. you a lady. You look nice.
2: Um, there are already things happening as you saw.
0: <laughs> oh yeah.
2: <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm just having fun.
1: You know how you snag them though. You know how the winning formula, you know, time memorial is to send some pics in the DMs. <laughs>
2: Those
1: weren't DMs. Those were in text, man. Those were straight to text.
0: True. Kairos has learned from that, by the way. <laughs> you gonna learn today? <laughs> Remember when uh, we wanted blood and that lady didn't even really work at Bloody Elbow. We like demanded her to be fired and shit. <laughs> Bloody Elbow was like, "She don't even work here. Fuck y'all." <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> they were distancing themselves. Were like, uh-uh, uh-uh. Yeah, you know,
0: they were like, she's freelance. We are not announcing her termination. Sit down, kids. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: we're going to freestyle this as usual. Let's crack on because my uh, mushy chips, peas, and beans are uh, waiting for me after this. And uh, <laughs> why are you looking like that? It's a beautiful meal. You, you just don't appreciate British cuisine Uh-oh. until you've tried it. Come on.
0: I'm going to try it when I come visit, though. I want like a I want a carb sandwich, the fries and the sandwich. I want Indian food because I heard Indian food out there is popping. Someone just told me Chinese food is popping in
1: there. 100%. Anything but English food. Just avoid that.
0: Yeah, that's what I heard. But I still want like a pea. Like what do y'all pick? French fries and peas in in bread or something like.
1: Uh, That's the chip butty uh, fries. Actually, chips in bread is a chip butty. Uh you can go for mushy peas. Uh how about some jelly deals? When you come over here, seriously, I'm gonna video yeah. it and it's gonna you <laughs> it's should gonna be it's gonna be used in the taste test. First of all, yeah, we're gonna start I did it. jelly deals.
0: I ate this in, in Thailand.
1: What is that? Oh, that
0: that's a cricket. Wow. You, after after well, I took the photo, <laughs> I ate it. It
1: does so, actually look quite oh, nice. No. It, it looks mm-hmm. a bit like it
0: looks a bit like dried
1: prawns.
0: It wasn't bad. It just wasn't for the, I didn't like the texture, but it was like almost like a sunflower seed taste, like a salty, wasn't bad. That sounds like my type of
1: thing actually. But anyway, let's crack yeah. on with Shots Fired. As usual, in the dark this week with firearms is G. What's going on, G? Ain't not much. What's up with y'all? Well, Kairos. Jump in. What's up with you?
2: Um, I have a lot of punishment and ducking and dodging to account for. I am ready to throw myself at the mercy of the court. That's that's what this comes down to. <laughs> well,
1: we to don't actually myself have, we don't actually have um Chisanga, who apparently is uh, getting married again. Actually, no, this is his honeymoon now, isn't it? So um, I think it's time that we actually crack on. But speaking of the duck. I don't know, maybe, just maybe this whole Kyle Rittenhouse saga, debacle, abhorrent uh, decision in my humble decision or humble opinion has got me in my feelings a little bit. I'll tell you why. Over the weekend, we had Tyler Durden, sorry, Cody Durden. I keep wanting to call him uh, Tyler Durden for some reason, but (laughs) we had him, jump up after his win. And it was a horrible fight, but we had him actually jump up and basically say to his opponent and address his opponent in the manner of Ku Klux Klansman. I honestly felt as though what he said was abhorrent. It was racist. The words were um, to the effect of, um, I'm gonna, I wanted to send him back to China where he belongs. Now, for me, that type of lyric, that type of rhetoric, that's the type of thing that you'd hear from a racist. That's the type of thing that I've been hearing all my life. I'm gonna send you back to Africa. Why don't you go back to Africa? I'm not even from Africa, I was actually born here. But nevertheless, I was wondering whether it was that I was ever so slightly sensitive because of the whole Carl Rittenhouse, That's the first thing. But secondly, I'm just wondering, perhaps, perhaps we see things through a different lens because everybody who came at me in my mentions was a white person who disagreed with me that this was racist. So that's my question to you. Am I in my feelings? Am I ultra sensitive because of the climate at the moment, particularly off the back of that verdict, because I I, I did feel that. Even though I'm based in the UK, but I can see injustice when I see it, and justice wasn't served there. And the second question is, are we looking at things, obviously we we are looking at things, in my humble opinion, through a different lens, to our white brothers and sisters or cousins? I'm gonna go with G first.
0: Okay, so you hit me with like some, compound question, <laughs> some compound questions. Yeah. Um, so the first question, Mike, is in reference to the Kyle Rittenhouse um, deliberations. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what I think about that was that that trial took place in Klan country. And if you didn't notice, if you followed the trial, the judge was already biased. I mean, he referred to Black people as Blacks. He didn't, you know, he... <laughs> he let Kyle choose his juries out of a hat. It was insane. And the reason why is because that is like a very racist area. So I was not surprised with the outcome. And also too, he's a white kid that went to a a rally about black people and black lives matter. And like, shot people. So of course he was going to get away with it. Now, I think that translated into MMA this weekend. I think this country is just under fire with everybody discussing it. And it kind of divided us. So what happened was Cody Durden took advantage of that. And Mike, you are not in your feelings. I also thought like, this guy must be a proud boy. You know, like, um, you know, the Klan is getting kind of old. That's old school racism. But I'm like, maybe he's No, it is. You know what I mean? Like nowadays, Mm -hmm. it's like the Proud Boys or some alt-right group. So like I just I just assumed he was a Proud Boy. And I thought that Zidane from Bloody Elbow would eventually pull up all the information needed and write a beautiful article on how he found out he was a Proud Boy. But MMA Twitter did it on their own without Zidane from Bloody Elbow. They found every racist tweet he's ever posted and it confirmed that he's a racist. However, if I was Dana White, I would cut him. Just to make an example, and Kairos, you and I talked about this in spaces last night. He's not an asset to the company. He's not an exciting fighter. And he said something on ESPN that was just distinctly a racial slur. They need to quietly cut him and just kind of send a message to everybody else, because I understand that Dana lets people discuss their political ideologies, but that was a racial slur. And also... ESPN and Disney are now involved with these UFC fights. So at some point, if someone escalates this to the N-word with the ER at the end, or if they continue to say Chinese people need to go back to China, you're going to interfere with the Chinese market and also ESPN and Disney business. Someone is going to intervene. So if I was Dana, I would fucking cut him now to send a message. And Mike, just to piggyback, off of your topic, do you think that this escalates and someone else kind of rides this wave of racism and makes it worse? Do you think we're gonna, you think someone else is gonna make a horrible comment being that Cody Durden opened these doors?
1: It will, because when you think about it, this has been the climate for a long while. This has been acceptable to Dana White, who puts it down to banter, who puts it down to pre-fight spiel, who puts it down to, well, these two uh, fighters who are actually gonna go at it in a cage. What do you expect? Are you expecting us to actually rein these people in? No, is how he's kind of put it. It's acceptable. But just to complete um, your answer to my question, are we looking at things rather oversensitively because we're looking at it from a black lens. Because as I say, I was, there was a distinction. In my mentions, it was all white people. And they were were not having a bar of this notion that it was racist.
0: What, I mean, what wasn't racist about it, Mike? I don't understand the question maybe. Like telling someone to go back to China or Africa is like that old school racism. That's like that. (laughs) Like plan talk, you know what I mean? It's not even updated or up to par type of racism or or dog whistle type of politics or politically correct racism where they hide behind racism. Like kind of like the word thug. We all know that means the N word, but that's like new age racism. Cody took it back to when you light fucking crosses on fire in someone's backyard. Like that was overt racism. We all know what the term means. And I think something should be done about it. Now, question again, I, keep, I have all these questions. Did How did Daniel Cormier react to that? Because wasn't it live and with a mic in his mouth? Like, how did he respond? Your beard looks fine, Kairos. it looks nice. <laughs> how did DC respond, by the way, y'all?
1: It was awkward. He trailed off with the questioning as soon as that actually was released from Cody's mouth. And it was obvious that he felt uncomfortable. It was obvious he didn't really know what to do. He was confused, he was baffled. And it was embarrassing.
0: It surely was. I I just don't understand how Dana White did not think to address this and to also quietly cut him. Don't forget, remember Pena, uh, violent Bob Ross was cut immediately for domestic violence charges. And the reason why they did it is because he's not a moneymaker and his domestic violence is getting out of hand. Why not do the same for Cody Durden? He's not a moneymaker, he's a nobody and he doesn't fight exciting fights, cut him. And that way you quell the people that are famous, like Mike Perry or even more famous fighters from actually saying something. And I think this could be a disaster in the future, but guess what? I'm gonna be right here when that shit happens and I'm gonna fucking laugh. You know what I mean? I cannot wait for someone to get up there and use a hard N-word with the ER at the end after a post-fight speech or or when they're being interviewed after a fight on ESPN with like Anthony Smith or something. I cannot wait because guess what? Cody did he got a shit ton of attention like he's never had before when he said that and other fighters are going to make notice of that and they're going to teet that line of racism because Cody wasn't cut and he got a shit ton of attention so oh it's coming Mike and I can't your girl can't wait someone <laughs> please say the n-word please.
2: <laughs> Gyrus. I just think you know. For a second, I thought that we were being sensitive. I had a man come, I, asked, I saw this man on The Time, I cannot remember his name right now. He's a struggle MMA journalist, like this man out here putting out, right, I won't talk about this shit like that, but here's my problem, okay? He was out there, and to, to keep things honest and transparent, he's a Korean-American, and his first response was, we have to give this man the benefit of the doubt. Now, this Ooh. is an MMA journalist, okay? And so you would think journalists are more neutral. But no, it seemed like he was more on the defensive side for Cody. And then with the help of some excellent research from colleagues, it, we found out this man follows Cody and Cody follows him. So they're all boys. So when I saw that, I said, we get it. You want an interview. Which, you know, that's a quick, that's a quick summary to get to where we're trying to get to. He said, we get it. You want attention. And I responded with no I just don't defend bigots like the pick me that you are, and so we were going back <laughs> and for forth, you. and this, and this dude was like, "Listen, man, there was nothing that he said that was offensive. I, I face racism on a daily basis. You don't know what I've been through, and I was about to show him a picture of what I look like to be like, maybe not what you go through, but you know, like, you're not the only one. But no, I didn't do that. I just." Someone did the research for us. I threw together tweets of him saying, or uh, slur towards um, gay people. And he was like, well, that's not what I did. And I didn't say nothing about that. And I was like, okay, great. So now I threw him uh, this tweet compilation of him saying the N word. And he's like, oh, that's offensive. Now that and I was like, no, 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 don't back down now. That's your boy. And then he got defensive. Like, oh, I just admitted that I was broke. And I Here's my problem though. People who have something to lose, are gonna gravitate to not sticking their necks out for it to be chopped off, whether they are truly actually offended or not, or whether they don't wanna anger their base that they built that they know would get upset with them bringing attention to it. So to answer your question, I think more people are offended by it than they realize or that they want to admit. And the problem is unless they have concrete facts to support their, the behavior that someone has been exhibiting for years and then continued on national television, they still don't want to stick their necks out and admit that someone's a bigot. They just want to say, oh, I wow, was wrong about giving the benefit of that. So, um, yes, people need to finally speak up for when they're offended. People need to stop being pick me's and wannabe's, wannabe journalists who are not dead center and terrible at their job. They can't say names correctly, put out terrible quality videos and can't put out good audio. You know what? My point is just this. Cody is a dick. He's a prick and he should be cut, but he's not going to be cut. You brought up violent Bob Ross. That was the second time he was accused of domestic violence, not the first. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do anything about it the first time. It was only the second time they're like, all right, now you got to go. So Cody's nice. going to get a pass. He'll be fine. He might, he might even get a main event slot in the next three or five fights. If he can put together a winning streak, if we're going to keep it up. I think so, so too. Um, yeah. as, as much as I want to say, yeah, he's going to be gone. I don't think ESPN and Disney give a fuck about MMA for as many characters and shit that happens in the sport. The fact that no one is really getting suspended, I just don't think they care about MMA. They're just like, you guys aren't big enough for us to even think about it. Unless you're trying right. to spread COVID, we don't give a fuck. So right. yeah, we're definitely not being too sensitive. We're definitely on to it we're picking up things And people who aren't aware of it or people who want to be pick-me's so always want to just ride the wave of, stop getting offended. And it's like, well, fuck you.
0: Can I address the pick-me thing real quick? A lot of times, too, it's not just that he's being a pick me. A lot of times people want to jump to defend their friends as if they don't know their friends can be nice to them, but also like a racist asshole to other people. You know, you ever notice like when a Me Too guy is called out, here comes some dumb bitch. Like he never tried to rape me. Bitch, he just Mm -hmm. didn't try to rape you. That's all. Like he might have tried to rape another bitch, just not you. Do not jump to defend your friends because you don't know how they're acting when they're not with you. And just because they're good to you doesn't mean they're a good person to other people. So a lot of times if somebody gets accused of something and you're not familiar with them behaving that way, you might want to ask questions. You might want to just sit back and just be like... I know I didn't experience this with him, but maybe I need to sit and listen and figure out if he actually did this or not before you just come to defend somebody. And perhaps that journalist was doing that. Perhaps he's friendly with Cody and was like, he's never told me to go back to China, so he's not racist. And a lot of times people do dumb shit like that. And look how embarrassed he was when you brought up all the other racist tweets, maybe because he didn't know his friend was out there putting all that shit out like that. Now he's backpedaling. Stop defending your friends when they're accused of shit. Just because they're a good friend doesn't mean they're a good person. You know?
2: He's still a pick me and here's why, because he wasn't even <laughs> his friend. The second I brought it up, he was like, when a fighter follows me out of respect, I follow them back. And as soon as I oh, he, put seems up a pursuit, bitch. he exactly, exactly. He distanced himself immediately. It went from oh ball to oh, we aren't this, we are close. He's a fighter who followed me, I follow him back. That's why I'm like, you're a pick me, a coward, a bum, and you can't even do your job well. You are you could be a bigot, you could be all these things that you want to be, but at least have something going for you. Like you can do your job well. You can't even do that. You can't even do that.
0: Terrible. Such a damn shame. I really hope they do something about that guy. But at the same time, like I told y'all, I hope they don't. I can't wait for someone to drop the heart and word at a post conference. I can. I'll be in my everlasting glory. <laughs> okay, G, as you do have the mic,
1: what are you bringing to the table this week?
0: Oh, listen, I already named I named my segment and everything. I'm so corny. Um, my segment is called Wind Streaks or Nah, not enough sun. And this is something that I want to keep talking about. Kyrus is probably tired of it because I keep talking about this in goddamn spaces. Okay, so here we go. I have been noticing a cultural shift in our sport. I think our sport is evolving. But one of the shifts that I'm seeing is that we no longer value win streaks, okay? And I'm an old school hardcore fan that doesn't like any fun. And I think that if you go on a long ass win streak, you should get a title shot. But let's discuss it, okay? So before the notorious Bilal Muhammad, I poke Leon Edwards was on a eight fight win streak. Fans complained that Leon didn't deserve a title shot because the fighters he beat were unranked, unworthy, or you know. They just, you know, it negated his request for a title shot. Okay. So here were the people that he fought. And mind you, this was, you know, unacceptable. RDA beat him. Gunnar Nelson beat him. Donald Cerrone destroyed him. Peter Sabata destroyed him. Brian Barberina, not a tough test for anybody. That's a tough dude. Vincent Luque beat him. Tough dude. We all know that. Albert Tumanov. I don't know much about him, but he beat him. I don't give a fuck. Dominic Waters beat him. That's enough for me. Give him a title shot. However, check this out though, fans are clamoring for Justin fucking Gaethje to get a title shot because he only lost to the champion Khabib once, and he rebounded from that terrible embarrassing ass loss by beating Chandler, a ranked fighter in a barn burner of a fight. Congratulations. I love that fight. I was there. I was exhilarated. I don't think he should get a title shot for beating one fucking person in a barn burner. Okay. But regardless of the quality of opponents, I respect UFC win streaks because we assume that UFC has the best fighters in the organization or the world ranked or not. Correct. So I respect nine to 10 fight win streaks. Okay. so my question to the group, I'm going to start with Kairos. What is more important to you, a lengthy win streak like Leon Edwards or beating a ranked performance in a very exhilarating performance and getting a title shot like Justin? Go.
2: It has to be one or the other, not like a. Jeez.
0: What's If it's got to
2: or, it's gotta be one or the other, the thing that is most important to me is a long winning streak. The long winning streak because I'm sick of people catching these fighters on a decline but they're ranked foe. And it's like, oh, I went five rounds of Tyron Woodley. I submit like, fuck it, that ain't Tyron Woodley. That's what's left of Tyron Woodley. And I'm sick of, okay, that's the script, well, fuck it. But my point is this: I don't like seeing it at all because like you said, it gives people like Gaethje recourse to get back into the title. It gives people like Colby recourse to get back into the title after one fight. It gives people who don't belong in there. It jams up the division. It forces a whole bunch of rematches it ruins the fact that you can have a champion who actually, it just, it, it's annoying. It's annoying, annoying. I don't want to hear people talking shit about, well, this person isn't a draw. That person isn't a draw. Kobe versus Usman only did 700K. The way y'all were talking about Kobe being able to sell his shipper, you would think he would sell 850 to a million. So, and the, the common thing theme is, oh, well, this person is a bigger star than Leon. If Vincente Luque fights somebody on a pay-per-view Let's not fool ourselves. It's not selling it 700k. We're not going to act like Vicente Luque is this massive pay-per-view draw. We're not. We're not going to do that. I'm not going to allow Thank you to you. do that. And, and we're you. not going to act like Vicente Luque's star is so much larger than Leon Edwards' star. We're not going to do that. It's probably Thank a you. slight increase or D, uh, like D, whatever the D word. I can't even say the D word. Whatever. But we're not going to act like this man is such a massive star compared to a dwarf star or pluto it's just not even like not even an argument so streaks matter and they should be rewarded we people say don't make this comparison but i'm going to make the comparison for the sake of making the comparison tony ferguson went on a crazy winning streak yes his winning streak is a lot more talented and voted than leon Yes, it was against better competition. Yes, it was against ranked foes. Yes, it was against top three, top five, top seven, top 10, top 15, and the top of their own ranks. Yes, I'm not trying to say the strength of schedule is the same. But what I am saying is his winning streak was not appreciated and rewarded. And we kept handing him interim title fights and number one contender fights until it was done. He never actually got to fight for an undisputed title. And now he will retire without being a champion and probably go down as the greatest fighter to never win a world championship belt
0: boom love it kairos and real quick before i go to you mike i just want to kind of you know poison your mind before you respond i'm trying to (laughs) to infiltrate you I, i my concerns with this though is recency bias and favoritism notice on a long lengthy win streak regardless of the opponents no one wants to give leon a title shot but because justin is this fun exciting fighter they want to give him a win after one fight. I think if we continue to go down this route, Mike, favoritism will play a huge part in who we give title shots to. And I think that's wrong. But Mike, again, what is more important to you? A lengthy win streak like Leon Edwards or a ranked, beautiful performance like the one shot, one win that Justin Gaethje had against uh,
1: uh, Michael Chandler? Go. One shot, one kill. I'm into the oh high ranked opponents being felled, the Goliath being killed, There's a reason for this. This is a sport, yes, but it's also entertainment. Sportainment, call it. The way that I look at the fan, because I am a fan, it's difficult to look at someone like Leon Edwards and say, I don't understand why they get up in arms when he gets talked about in title contention and why he keeps getting passed over for title shots. Look, you have to go back to, let's just pull up his file here you have to go back to 2018 to find a finish from Leon Edwards. Since then, sure. it's unanimous decision, split decision, unanimous decision, no contest, unanimous decision. Before that, before that uh, finish, you'd have to go back to 2015 to find his finish. But since then, um, decision, unanimous. Again, another unanimous decision. And uh and then we're at Albert Tumanoff submission, rear naked choke. Now let's just be real. We have just witnessed and I'm going to just say it with my chest, we have just witnessed one of the most horrendous cards over this past weekend, UC Baker, 43. Jesus Christ. I mean, if one that- One of the worst cards ever. You need to show somebody to entice them into the sport, you'd have people running from the building, tearing their hair out. Nobody would want to connect. No one would be intrigued. No one would be beguiled by the UFC because we know that there are better finishes out there. There are better cards out there. There are more decent finishes that we can actually entice people with, but that card had none of them. Okay, you might want to say Joanne Calderwood, uh, her getting finished um by... Pretty um, dope. By... Um, Santos. Santos. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, that is what it's all about. It's about entertaining the fans. And I am a fan. And that's why I keep saying this, that as much as I am hardened in my stances as, as, let's all support the Brits. Let's get behind the Brits. Let's all get behind the entertainers. Kind of supersedes that for me. Kind of takes over for me. Kind of makes me really, really adamant about the point that I'm making. And that is, I'm about... Classy finishes. I'm about spectacular um, and dominant dom- domination in a fight. For me, I don't see that in, in Leon Edwards. I don't see dominance. I don't see someone who's kind of like tearing towards a finish. I see someone who is into winning, yes. Someone who is pursuing a win, yes. But pursuing a finish, hardly in the last few fights.
0: Mm, I'm shocked to hear that from you. Aren't you a hardcore Leon Edwards fan? Yes, I am. But
1: facts are facts. You put it on the table as in, are you a win streak guy or are you a spectacular Finnish guy? Are you somebody who is entertained by the sport or are you somebody who is a purist? And um, it should be about uh, where does this person rank because of the streak that they're on? I'm not about that life. And I'm not going to sit here in front and pretend. No, not as everybody
2: sh- out there is a perennial finisher, though. There are certain fighting styles that just can't finish. We're not going to sit here and like, act like some of the greatest champions of all time on their way up to the title. We're finishing everybody. Joanna wasn't finishing everybody. Phenomenal champion. Five title defenses. Who else was going on a crate? Demetrius Johnson up on his way to the title. Wasn't finishing everybody. Phenomenal champion, if not the greatest champion of all time. People want to talk about GSP. He, he was exciting for the front end of his title reign, but up through, getting to the title fight, he wasn't finishing everybody. I just, I don't understand how we're going to sit here and just talk about how finishers are so important when there have been fighters who won great winning streaks who weren't finishing hella people and got their shot.
1: Okay, but don't just say one aspect of what I've actually brought to the table. <laughs> It's about it's also about it's also about is this fighter a ferocious fighter in the way that falls to the wall, who put it all out there, he'll actually pursue a finish, even though he doesn't get a finish. Is he a risk taker? Is he someone who is entertaining? Let's fold that into the mix. Let's just not concentrate on one aspect of what I've said. Let's take the whole thing in totality.
2: Mm. I think that in certain situations, Leon is willing to take a risk. The only problem is a lot of the time it go it hurts him in the end. It hurts him. In. That's what happened with Nate. he could have, he could have 50-45 Nate, probably 50 44 for them. And one, not gone for a finish. Exactly. But I feel like he started to think, okay this guy doesn't deserve to be in here with me. And I'm going to get him out of here. And so he turned up the aggression and he got hit. He got hit hard and he got wobbled. And then the entire mind space of MMA was Nate won the night, but Leon won the fight. Shut the fuck up. Nate lost oh, 50, 45. On, I think on. that,
1: I'm, I'm baffled by your recollection of that fight because what I didn't see was somebody who turned up the pace, who turned up the fight, who turned up the ferocity. What I saw was a lapse of concentration and he got hit. That's what I saw. I saw someone who got up in front
2: with a comfortable lead in rounds one and two, thought he could coast for three, thought he could coast for four, and then it was like, okay, I got to get him out of here. So he tried to turn it back up and five, and got penalized for it badly. That's what I saw. You know, me, I'm a man who sees everything in totality. I see everything. I don't miss anything, that. So that's what I saw. If you want the actual advice and the actual analysis of a great fight, talk to me. I'll help you out. You're welcome.
0: Mike, well, I have a question for you, Mike, real quick. I have so many questions tonight, okay. Mike. I I conducted a spaces, and I noticed that a lot of African American males and um, European males from the UK see themselves in Leon, and a lot of them feel like they do not get a shot in life, and they feel like that's what's happening in to Leon Edwards, and they feel that way because they are black men. How do you feel about that? Is is this is that is that something that can be parallel, like? I'm not joking, Kairos, you were there in listener mode. African-American males and black men from the UK bonded in the particular spaces that I was in, not my own, I just hopped in, and they literally had a discussion on how Leon Edwards represents them, a black man that can't get his shot when it's due. How do you feel about that?
1: But you see, that's why I don't see myself in him because yes, he has been passed over, But it's not because he has the skill, the desire, and the finishing power and the tenacity and the ferocity. It's because people look at his fights and say, he's boring. He's not a finisher. He isn't someone whose tenacity um, outshines and outrides his, his opponent. He's somebody who's looked on by the fans as somebody who basically pursues the win, yes, but is not a massive risk taker, is not a balls to the wall fire, won't go in for the phone booth style exchanges. It will just be enough to win. And that's why I don't identify with him. Yes, he is a Brit. I identify on that level, but I don't see him as somebody who hasn't got the shot. So he represents me because as far as my own personal experience is, I will always get the shot because by hook or by crook, (laughs) Whoa. I won't pursue it until I get there. And it's to do with my upbringing. My mum and dad taught me, this is one constant in your life. You have to be 150% better than any competitor, regardless of skin colour, regardless of sex, regardless of any criteria. You have to outshine them. That's the way I look at life. So I will get there eventually
0: because I will outshine you. Thank you, Mike. Sounds like you had wonderful parents. And guess what? My parents taught me the same thing. But oh. I do kind but I do kind of understand that not everybody has wonderful parents like me and you. And I do also understand the fact that a lot of black people, and this particularly black men, do feel like they're not getting their shot in life. How many times have we discussed that Tyron Woodley is being treated differently in the UFC versus like a white champion? These things do exist, but I did find that their commonality with Leon and being his fan for that was kind of weak. And I don't, you know, like at the same time I can get it, but I was just like, if y'all don't just admit that the motherfucker boring or in the cage and outside of it and just move on from this and still be his motherfucking fan, that would yes. be great. We don't yeah. need if to make the- this into, um, you know, Dr. King and the things that he's done and how you can relate to that and, and um, no, no justice, no peace. No, the man is boring. He sits out too much. He does nothing on social media to make himself interesting. He can literally give his phone to someone like Ali and cause a little motherfucking trouble and put his name out there and he can fight more often. None of them agreed with me on that, but they did feel like he wasn't getting a shot because he was a black man.
1: I'm shocked and surprised that the (laughs) fine feature of that conversation was to be content with mediocrity. I'm not saying that he is mediocre, but what I am saying is he's hardly a shooting star, a guiding light. He's hardly an exoset missile when it comes to, to strikes he's hardly somebody who actually with tenacity with ferocity is pursuing that finish he isn't but what I can say what I can say is because he is a Brit I will ride for him but it's only because of that I cannot equate or see myself in him Caris you look as though you're uh you're he's like this. To get back in there <laughs>
2: yes to what both of you were saying yes 100 million percent he is not a massive star he understands that he is not that important he understands he's not that talks about not that well known but it seems like he can never ever come out on the right side of the equation even though it's not his fault okay we're complaining about the activity he better fight Hamza, an unranked fighter who hasn't beaten anybody remember this conversation earlier this year Oh, my gosh, you should fight Hamza. That'll definitely raise a star. Okay, great. I'm going to fight Hamza. Hamza pulls out twice. Look who's out there still getting criticized for sticking it. He didn't have to take that fight. He could have to, he just been like, no, you guys are going to hate me anyway. Still did it. Hamza pulled out. Still, he gets punished for it. Same situation with Woodley. Oh, I'm going to fight Woodley. COVID happens. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Leon doesn't want to fight. Okay, great. Leon's out again. How about Leon fight Jorge Masarov? Rekindle the beat. Restart what we wanted to see two years ago, even though Leon was trying to fight him. Sell the beef. Exactly. Okay, but but he was trying to sell the beef two years ago, and Jorge wasn't trying to have none of it. But now people are like, well, you better try and rekindle the beef after two years, even though Jorge X, Y, Z. Fine. Leon says, I'm going to fight him. Let's sign it. They sign the fight. Jorge pulls out. Oh, Leon's going. Why can't this guy not win? Why is he not able to win? Everything y'all say, and it doesn't happen for him, and he gets penalized for it. It's always the one who gets penalized for it. Y'all let so many fighters sit out for years not doing nothing. Steve sits out all the time not doing shit. Oh my, Habib would sit out forever not doing shit. Dominic Cruz had an interim title champion defend the title while he was out. They got so many people would do it, and no one ever gives them the hate. Yes, Leon deserves some hate. It's not like he doesn't deserve any hate. He deserves some hate. But it's about time for us to realize the fact of the matter is he's actively been trying to improve his situation by becoming more active. And it is not his fault to so why he has not been active in the past. It's time to give him his title shot so we can move fastest because he's not going to win anyway. We can continue and resume and the one to division where nobody fights each other anyway.
1: That's all I'm saying. There's a commonality though in the people that you've raised, Stipe, Khabib and uh, Cruz. The tenacity, will to win and the ferocity is in those men. I do not see that in Leon Edwards. I have to keep underlining this. I rate Leon Edwards, don't get it twisted. I admire the man, he is a Brit. I've got a lot of love for my fellow Jamaican brethren, but come on, you're comparing apples with flipping uh, Gorgonzola. When they were challengers rising up to become
2: champion, they were hardly active. Dominic Cruz tore his ACL twice, tore his groin. He took years in between fights. Same with Habib, he didn't know how to not be a fat ass and cut weight like a smart person, so he would fight once every two years, too. See, face same, these people did the same thing, they did the same thing, and they didn't even have the winning streak that he, like, oh my goodness. Well, Cruz probably did. I'm pretty sure Cruz did have the UFC. Slash WEC winning streak to get to that point, but Habib not so much. Habib had a UFC winning streak that was like four or five before it got to a title. Stepe, I can't remember what it was, but it's still this. Their streaks wasn't as long as Leon, and Leon was fighting more frequently than them and actively trying to sign to get fights. They weren't signing shit. They were. How quickly we forget just because they're champions now and well-respect now, people forget where these people came from. Not me. I told you, talk <laughs> to me. I know everything. I don't forget nothing. I'm like y'all. You guys are suffering from alzheimer's or something but i I remember
0: (laughs) Mm. just remember kairos that when we start giving title shots for one win keep track of the favoritism that's going to take place because of the entertainment business that mike likes so much Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. just
0: remember that just remember mike a fighter you don't like gets a title shot off beating one person just remember that
1: i remember that but you know what (laughs) i've forgotten it's your turn kairos
2: my turn. Jeez Louise. So, a few days ago, Daniel Cormier said in an interview that fires should be more inclined to chase the world title than chase money fights. I want to know each of your opinions on that stance. Is he correct? Is he not? Do we finally have to cut ties with him and accept the fact that he is a company man, he doesn't care about the well-being of these fighters, or is he on to something? And last but certainly not least... Um, where's that? That's everything. And I want to start with the lovely Gina.
0: I think Daniel Cormier needs to sit his fat ass, retired ass down. That's what he needs to do. And I'm tired of him. I'm really tired of him. Yes, I am throwing shots at him because I can. I'm not technically media. Um, I think he needs to sit his ass down. I think he needs to let fighters decide what they want to do. Israel Adesanya is concerned with what? Legacy. So what does he do? He wants to clean out the division. What does Usman want to do? He wants to clean out the division and get a money fight against Canelo. Sit down, Daniel, because after you beat Stipe, you wanted to fight Brock Lesnar. He damn near came at the press conference when he found out that fucking Brock was even going to be on the card. And then after you beat somebody, what did he do? He had some dumbass... um, fake ass little thing with Brock in the cage. Shut up and stop being a hypocrite. Now you a company man, so now you want people to fucking fight for a championship. But when your ass was in their shoes, you was damn near about to bust a nut because Brock was going to fight on the card. And then you came up with this stupid little thing in the cage and made UFC look dumb like it was a wrestling um, competition. Shut the fuck up. That's what I got to say about that. That whole segment. Don't ever bring that shit to me again, Kairos. This segment got me pissed off. I can't stand a motherfucker that go both ways. But as soon as you get in the position of being, a, you know, a representative of a company, the same shit you was doing goes out the window because now you a company man. Suck my dick. Go ahead, y'all. man. am
1: Rain mean if I'm going overboard here. Rain mean if I'm uh, basically being totally out of order. But... I can't disagree, I'm not mad. And I've got nothing after what G has said there because it is pinpoint accurate, dead ass, correct. The thing I would just kind of add to this, you know what it reminds me of? And it makes me really sad. We all know back in the day, back in the day there was the house Negro and there was the field Negro. Now, what this reminds me of is Daniel was a field Negro, but now he's in the house. He's asking "Massa, is we sick? And that's what really grates on my nerves. The fact that he's been in the trenches, he's been where a lot of these fighters he's talking about have been. But the fact is, I thought he was a proud black man. I thought he was somebody who we could look to in terms of influence and inspiration and someone to actually aspire to. And I don't see any of that in him. All I hear is company man, which is fine. But what I hear, which is a little bit more taxing for me as a black man is field Negro turned house Negro. Forgot where
0: he came from. He might've come from the field and the house. I don't think he was ever a regular Negro in the first place, to be honest with you. I think he chases the money and, and, and a position, a comfy position in retirement. That means selling out anybody out of the bus. Oof. But I'm going I'm to stop talking because I'm so angry. Kairos,
2: how do you feel about your own segment? <laughs> Y'all going to hate me for this one. Y'all going to hate me for this one. Good. Good. He's right. Here's why he's right. Here is why he is right. Too many of these fighters think that they are money fights. You aren't a money fight. How you going to get a money fight? You and yourself ain't no money fight. Too so many fight, And this whole money fight idea sounds great on paper, but they are paying you all the money anyway, so you're really just fighting. You're just fighting anyway. There is no money fight for y'all to begin with. You aren't Connor. You aren't Usman. You aren't Kobe. You ain't John. You ain't Izzy. You aren't these people yet. Yeah. That's why you have to position yourself to choose between fighting for the title or going for the money fight. Y'all ain't money fights. Money fights the fans wanted to see. Remember when they were like, Oh, Sage Northcutt versus Mickey Gall, but two white guys that were expecting to do big things in the UFC. How much more money did they get paid for that fight? Who bought their same contract fee for that fight? Not was supposed to be a money fight. Oh, how about another money fight? Paige Van Zandt bought so-and-so. No, no, no. Oh, that was a money fight? No, it wasn't. They got paid their same fee. They didn't get nothing. There ain't no... You're not a money fight. The, there is no such thing as a money fight unless you're a massive star. So Daniel Cormier's stance means absolutely nothing to 98% of the roster. 98% of the roster, you better take those fights to position yourself to compete for a world title and then win a world title so that you can become a household name so that you can actively go after those money fighters. But look, those people who aren't following in that category, this doesn't apply to you. You better get your ass in line and fight for the title.
0: What about a fighter that is struggling financially and the money fight is going to get him paid? Look at Tyron Woodley. Maybe if he got his fucking money fight, he wouldn't have fought Jake, whatever, and embarrassed himself. What is wrong with the fighter trying to get paid in an establishment that underpays them? And also, didn't fucking D.C. try to get a money fight with Brock? Is, is D.C. even a name outside of Brock? Like mm. he was he was chasing Brock's coattails for that money fight. Yeah. OK. So I don't understand. Perhaps he needed the money then, but now that he's a company man, he doesn't need the money. So maybe he's pushing fighters to go in a different direction. But that's just me, though. Go ahead, Kyrus.
2: They always need the money, but that's the key thing. You mentioned DC and Tyron Woodley. They were both already champions and established their names when they were trying to get those fights. So it didn't even matter anyway. They deserved that. But for... For an Adrian yanez or a Randy Costa trying to sell us some money, but get the fuck out of here. That right, that, that, was that was a that super was they, they, thought, you for that fight. they thought that was a super fight. That fight was supposed to be on the early prelims, like or like Facebook level prelims, but they marketed themselves through social media to build up the hype that it got put on the main card, it was like the bottom yeah. of the main card. Or maybe the top of the prelims, mm-hmm. and everyone's like, "Oh, this is a money fight." X It's not a money fight. They got paid the exact same thing as they would have, regardless. That ain't they no money fight. Pro- who said that? That's shit. what I'm. I'm just saying what people say, though. I'm not saying it. I'm just saying, though. You know what I mean? Or a situation where? It's, what's another more high profile fight? Um, who was a who was someone who's trying to? Just-
0: I just can't believe that was a money fight. Two prospects getting ready to go. They tonight. were saying
2: that's what people were saying. I'm not saying that it was. But we there have been t- countless times of fighters who are not champions, who never were champions, who don't have a high profile fighting someone and saying, I want to fight this For Like, who was it that was trying to fight Nate um, during his time in between Vidal and all those other people? Someone was trying to, and they clowned them for trying to fight Nate. And I was just like, well, oh, RDA was like, oh, I want to fight Nate again since he's saying that he's the best fighter. I, that would be a money fight. Bitch, no, it ain't no money fight for you.
0: No, that ain't no money fight. You
2: gonna make the same year? Like, no, you ain't a name. name. You ain't no name. That's the point. What Daniel said only applies to less than two percent of the roster. He's right. (laughs) Get your ass up fighting in the line. Get outside and work these fields for us real quick. Make that winning streak so you can finally be, okay, that's messed up, I, I, that's, I crossed the line with that one.
0: But you know what I mean. I crossed the line with that one, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I should be apologizing. I just told DC to suck my dick. I, I ain't apologize for that. I ain't apologizing, for nothing. <laughs> I didn't say I was. Mm-mm. <laughs> I said should, but a, a bitch is not, okay? <laughs>
1: Okay, we are at the top of the hour, and I'm intrigued. What are you guys up to this week, considering isn't Thanksgiving on the 24th? I mean, you have to educate me now, because I know nothing about it.
0: 25th, it's usually... 25th, yeah, I was about to yeah. say. Like okay. I actually don't have plans yet. i got to figure out where I'm going, what I'm doing, and, and you know I'll be eating somewhere, but I have to, <laughs> I have to yeah. figure that out. I'll be
2: stopping my face. Uh, we got half the black community coming into the house. Like my brothers came across <laughs> from Florida. I got <laughs> brothers coming from Indiana. We got family coming from Chicago. Like the house has become a, a hostel, which is great. I love my family. I'm excited. to Get drunk and argue about stupid stuff all week. So oh, we got that going for us, maybe. Yeah, exactly. It'll, it'll be great. We'll have some neighbors over, some friends too. It's gonna be good.
1: Nice. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well. We don't have any Thanksgiving uh, celebrations over in the UK. It's not something that (laughs) we actually partake in. So- um, Thank God, y'all
0: would just eat beans and shit if (laughs) y'all
1: (laughs) did. Shit. Oh,
0: 100%. But this weekend,
1: if anybody who is listening wants to partake in something which isn't MMA, on the 27th and that is Saturday, it's coming Saturday. I'm doing a Spaces look or Twitter Spaces look. At King Richard, the new film starring Will Smith about the two sisters, Venus and Serena. So we are convening a panel of world-renowned. Actually, they're just based in various quarters of the world, but they will be accompanying me to review the film. And um, if you're listening and you want to join us, follow me at Mike Woe TV so that you can get involved at 9 p.m. GMT or 4 p.m est eastern standard time so speaking of socials do you want to shout out your socials guys so that people can follow your work on the timeline and um see what you're up to
0: yeah i'll hop on that i am just gina mma uh feel free to uh follow me i probably won't follow you back and also um feel free to jump in my spaces and i still won't follow you back after you do that but you know have fun, knock yourself out. It's a defense mechanism, but it's it's all good. Just Gina MMA,
2: Kairos. Nah, I'm good. They don't deserve me. It's a privilege to have access to me, not a right. You don't get. If you have come across me orgasm, that's great. But I'm not telling you shit.
1: <laughs> you hear that? On that note, peace. Later. <laughs>